0: Say the game is getting old. Monday morning, and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and oh, wow. I'm just telling you, this is going to be an outstanding show. Wherever you're watching us, uh, wherever that be, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all over. And by the way, you're watching us on DBTV. You know what? Thanks for joining us. I know you had a lot of choices. You chose us. I appreciate it. I'm going to tell you this about today's show. Because here's the deal. We all talk about accountability being important. It, it, can we all agree on that? Accountability is important. Yeah, we can all agree on that, right? Here's the problem that we have. We're doing it wrong. I'm just going to come right out and say it. We're doing it wrong. We are making a mess of it. And it's not just that we're making a mess of accountability or as my uh, uh, my guest is going to talk about, Dr. Uh, David Tate, he's going to talk about uh, accountability 1.0. Okay, is what he's going to talk about here, because that's the accountability that we're in. And here's the problem: we are neglecting the relationship aspect of accountability. I'm going to let that sink in, because we're we're what we're doing with accountability here is, folks, is something goes wrong, and then we want to go, who's responsible? And then when somebody doesn't fess up, you know, we get all upset about it. Well, somebody's got to be somebody's got to be accountable for this. We say, but what if I told you there was a better way? What if I could suggest to you that there is a way that people want to be held accountable? That people, if they, if accountability was done in the right way, would become more loyal, more committed, be more excited, be willing to receive and give feedback, be willing to be all in and invested into whatever your project or whatever's happening in your business, would that interest you? Of course it would. Who wouldn't it interest, right? Well, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk with Dr. David Tate. He is co-author of this book, Conscious Accountability, uh, Deepened Connections, Elevate Results. We're going to talk about your, uh, this. Oh, wow. Great book. Just seriously, great book. Get get yourself a copy, right? Get You know what? Get your whole team a copy, because it's it's really that it's powerful and it's really really good, and he's gonna help us walk through it today. But before we get to him, let's do we do every week, right? Uh, we're four-part people: physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And what we've learned on this show, as I've done it for the last five years, by the way, what we we've talked about is that you know we're not static in any of these four areas, and and if we're not growing, we're dying. And we do have to put on a growth mindset that we can change, and that we have the ability to change, and others can change as well, right? So, what we do is we have evaluate in a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being this area of my life is ugh, and then th- a 10 where this area of my life is outstanding, right? Now, you're going to come up with a number, 5 being average. You're going to come up with a number somewhere in there. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go, well, Jay, I'm a 2. That makes me horrible. No, 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 no. If you're a 2, that's where you start and where we grow from, okay? So, whatever your number is, don't get alarmed. What I want you to do is that's your starting point place so if you're two how do we get to a 2.5 today right if we're if we're seven how do i get to a 7.5 today all right so it doesn't matter right so let's talk about so physically right if you were to evaluate yourself in eating right getting enough sleep drinking enough water getting enough exercise what number would you give yourself right five being average right okay there's your first number right pretty easy right so that's pretty easy okay well now let's move over to the mental mental intellectual number right and by the way, you can't be a couch potato and just let things come at you and think that, you know what, I can, I'm i going to grow in knowledge and understanding and I'm going to learn. That's not the way it works. You've got to be an active participant in your learning and growth, right? You know what a great way to do that is read a book, right? I'm serious. Read a book. Get involved in the book. Take some notes on the book. I tell my coaching clients all the time, we sometimes will do a book together, right? And I'll say, find two or three things, right? Two or three things down that you've read and let's talk about those. Right? So that you can become an active participant. You know, there's other ways. We have two halves of the brain. You know, right brain's creative, left brain's logical, right? Take up an, take up a foreign language, learn an instrument, do something to exercise your mind, right? But be an active participant. So on a scale of one to ten, how would you say you're doing there? Third area is the emotional area. And Dr. Daniel Goldman is outstanding, right? He's talked about emotional quotients, emotional intelligence. We make it really simple on the show, right? Here's how I want you to evaluate yourself on a scale of one to 10. These two areas. How well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure? And then secondly, how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of other people? Right. And, And the truth of the matter is, you know, when it comes to those two areas, it's one's called emotional control. The other though requires active listening and empathy. And it also requires a larger emotional vocabulary, right? And we can expand that emotional vocabulary because the, 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 there's subtleties to all those areas, anger, sadness, happiness, joy. There's there's subtleties to all these things. And the larger emotional vocabulary, and we can identify those emotions, easier it is for us to identify the emotions within ourselves, but also identify the emotions in others because we want to connect in that way. So on a scale of what to 10, how would you say you're doing there? And then finally, spiritual area. And I know that some of you have to go, ah, oh, I'm not spiritual. Ah, oh, we're all spiritual. We, 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 we all live kind of live by faith. You, you drank a cup of coffee this morning. You believed it wasn't poisonous because it was faith. You put your car in the, the ignition. You believe that it was going to turn on. Oh, that's faith. The stop walk sign says walk. You believe that the cars are not going to cross, cross over, and run you over. That's faith. The fact of the matter is, we all kind of live by faith. But we also, you know, we also live spiritually in a lot of ways. We we find ways to get ourselves centered in the midst of our chaos. We can find joy in the midst of chaos. There's the spirit. There's the human spirit that comes alive under certain circumstances and pressure. And and there's all sorts of ways that people try to get there. You know, whether it's God, whether it's nature, whether whether it's meditation, whatever it may be, and, and, and it gives them this place of centeredness and hope and, and joy. The question is, is it working for you? And have you been doing it? And if it's not working for you, what do you need to change about it? So, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing in that area? Those four areas, like the air and the tires of your car. You know, if one area is a little low, what happens? Car veers, fighting it all the time. What happens if all four tires are low? Well, you start to really make the car work harder. And then over the course of time, what happens if you don't do something about it? What happens is you ruin the car over the course of time. And speaking of my guest, Dr. David Tacita, he's got all his, he's got his tires to the right level. And, and they're awesome. Uh, he is a licensed clinical psychologist and assistant clinical professor in psychiatry at the Yale University School of Medicine. Uh, he's also a lecturer at Yale School of Management. He His areas of practice in organizational consulting include coaching and leadership development, conflict resolution, team building, succession planning, and promoting healthy organizational development. He's co-author of this new book, Conscious Accountability, Deepen Connections, Elevate Results. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to the first time ever, and I don't think it's going to be the last time, Dr. David C. Tate. Welcome, Dr. Tate, to the show.
1: Oh Jay, it's such a pleasure to be with you. Um, love your energy. Love what you're doing here on the show. I'm all about it. Excited for our conversation.
0: I am too. So let's dig in. <laughs> and Do you, it. In the introduction, you ask a question. You say, "Why does accountability matter?" So let's just let's just start right there. Why
1: does accountability matter? Well, it seems like everything. Every like in terms of for individuals. Whether you're an individual, whether you're a team, whether you're an organization, accountability matters. Well, for, actually, for a bunch of reasons. One is that um, you need trust. We need trust to make relationships work. And when we're accountable, we build trust. When we're not accountable, we erode trust. And so, accountability helps create trust, which is what makes our relationships successful. Um, whether they're personal relationships, whether they're work relationships. It's all the same. We we need to be accountable in order to make those relationships work. Um, so we'll start there. Okay. Um, but there's, there's and there's more to it. But anything you want to jump in on with that?
0: Well, I just think you know one of the things that you mentioned in the book is accountability can make a difference between reaching goals, not reaching goals. Um, makes a difference yes. between delivering on our promises. Makes a difference between teams being aligned, winning together. And and even That's right.
1: and you even said life and death. Like, yes. So think about accountability in places like the operating room or the air traffic control tower. If people aren't doing what they say they're going to do, um, disastrous things can happen. If you look at most major disasters, and if you do like a, a breakdown after the fact on what went wrong, often we will see accountability failures mm-hmm. of one kind or another. Dramatic example is 737, Boeing 737 Max. Um in the final analysis of those uh, of that plane, which experienced two uh, terrible disasters, um, which resulted in the deaths of everyone on board, um, there were problems with accountability among the engineers at Boeing, among the management, as well as among regulators at the FAA. Mm. They were not doing what they were supposed to do in one way or another, and sort of you know it was sort of like a perfect storm of of, of uh, accountability failures that led to these problems. So. Um, so yeah i mean in the most dramatic example yes life and death is at stake when we're not accountable
0: you say that accountability is powerful but often is an elusive secret sauce yes. <laughs> help, help us understand help us understand this elusive secret sauce
1: well so when accountab- it, when accountability is done well and it's just not easy to do it well mm. it's really it's really hard, you know, to, to get it right. Um, when we do get it right, it's, it's so powerful. It really unlocks the potential of a group of people. Um, it, it helps people, um, you know, get engaged, get committed to what they're doing, feel like wanting to win together, wanting to achieve together, wanting to help each other, uh, through that process. And really, um, and really, function as a, as a unit, mm. but oftentimes we get accountability wrong, um, and so, as you mentioned earlier, it's and 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 so, you know, that's why it's elusive. Mm. Um, we we get we can't get out of our own way, oftentimes to get it to get it right. Mm. Um, that we think that accountability needs to amount to, um, you know, blame. Uh, to, to 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 make it really focused on the individual as opposed to something that we're always sharing. we're always sharing and creating accountability together it's not just up to one person it's up to it's up to everybody to create accountability um, and, and this leads me this
0: leads me to the question of you know you know comparing conscious accountability which you which you and your co-authors are making a, making a case for, in this book that I agree with, by the way, wholeheartedly. Yeah. How do we differentiate from, and maybe this is, it's a, I know it's a big question, but let's try to, let's pretend it's an elephant. We're going to take it one bite at a time. How would we compare conscious accountability? Maybe we should define that first. How do we define conscious accountability and then how do we compare that to what we have currently when we talk about accountability? Yeah, good. Okay.
1: Um, so we talk oh, about okay. conscious Oops. Expanding awareness mm-hmm. to create deliberate attentions to inform the actions that are responsible for your impact. So, so let's break that down. down.
0: Doc, doctor, Dr. Dr. Tate, I'm going to stop you for a second because your microphone has just gone pretty uh, fast. All right, hang on. Sorry about uh, it that. Let me pop these back mind. in. Is this? Oh, there's this. Is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's <laughs> okay. Yes, sorry about that. I just lost. No worries. It. Just, no worries. So, let's so, try that again. Let's try uh, the. You want get, me to do the <laughs> definition again? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about what the definition of a conscious accountability is yeah. and how it compares to uh, traditional accountability or accountability
1: 1.0 and what uh, conscious accountability is. Okay, great. So conscious accountability again means expanding awareness to create deliberate intentions take informed actions and be responsible for your impact. So let's look at the first part of that, expanding awareness. That's the conscious part of conscious accountability. And we can do that on three different levels, at least. The first level is just being more aware of ourselves, being aware of what's going on um, in here and in here. Um, what are we? What are our, our needs, our values, what do we want? Um, when we're more aware of ourselves, we can be more clear with others about what it is that we expect. Um, and um, same thing is when we are more aware of other people, that's its second level of awareness, trying to be aware of the people around us and what is it that they need? What do they want? What do they value? What's important to them? When we understand that, we can really join with them, meet them halfway and and even unlock their own kind of potential by digging into what actually really motivates them. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's a, a, another piece of awareness that we can be more aware of others. The third piece of awareness is around awareness, what we call awareness of interdependence. Mm-hmm. The idea that we are all connected to one another with these invisible threads. And that when we, ha- when we, when we, when we act or when we fail to act, that has impact mm-hmm. on other people. Often it, it may be visible or invisible, it may be direct or indirect, but there are those impacts that happen. And so when we become more aware of those interconnections, we can be more responsible for for our impacts than when we're less aware of those things. So, So expanding awareness is the first sort of piece of this. Once we're more aware, we can then, you know, armed with awareness, we can create and be more deliberate about what it is that we want to create. We can be really intentional there and then with those intentions in mind our actions become much more informed and hopefully we can close the gap between what our intentions are and the impact that we actually have mm. so that's that's the idea in in a uh, you know in a nutshell now in terms of your second question around how does this this idea differ from um, what we like to call ac- accountability 1.0 which is um, you know, this sort of more traditional notion of accountability. And I have this, there's this great quote that I often reference um, in, in this conversation from Teddy Roosevelt, who said, if you could kick the person responsible for most of your trouble, if you could kick the per- kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. <laughs> and it's like, it's it's funny, right? Like, good on you, you, Teddy, you have a sense of humor. But it, I think it does speak to this kind of like, oh, you know, am, am I in trouble? Uh, do I need to get kicked in the pants? This sort of kind of sort of vaguely threatening, punishment-oriented approach to accountability. Um, and that's what we we think of when we think of accountability 1.0. So a couple of ways accountability 1.0 is different from conscious accountability. Accountability 1.0 focused on results. Like, like did you, did you hit your numbers? Did you hit your goal? Did you do what you were supposed to do? You know, and, and many people think about that in terms of like a- accountability. Now, and that's fine, and results are very important. But um again, conscious accountability focuses not just on results, not to, not just did we hit our marks, but also on relationships. How did relationships fare as we were working to get our results? Right? And if and if we got those results, but our relationships suffered, and people at the end of it are like. I don't want to have anything to do with these people or i don't trust that that guy anymore you know then then that's really not sustainable right because because then next time um things aren't gonna gonna go uh, as well as as this time so so that's the first thing the results in relationships versus results only second piece is again this idea of who's responsible for creating accountability or for being accountable in accountability 1.0, it's seen as an individual thing, which is like, you know, you'll be responsible for your piece. I'll be responsible for my piece mm. and we'll be great. Mm. So that's the way a lot of people think. But the risk and the problem with that is that people just kind of operate with blinders on. Yep. I did everything on my list. I'm done. Right. They don't think, all right, anybody else need help? You know, I got my stuff go- done, but like. What else needs? What else do we need to do together to get the ball over the goal line? In accountability 1.0, people are not even asking or thinking about that. They're like, "All right, I'm I'm clocked out. I'm out of here." Um, or, or the you know the other thing is like you know that's not in my job description. Mm. You know that that sort of mentality. Mm. Um, no, I, I, you know that's not that's not I'm not supposed. To. Now again, it's great to have clarity on roles and responsibilities, and sometimes. Our teammates need, you know, need one another. We need to support our teammates. And this is, you know, I think in COVID, I've seen a lot of this, you know, obviously people, you know, family members, you know, being sick or needing to call out. And then what happens? Does the ball get dropped or does somebody come in and pick it up? And if you have that conscious accountability mindset, it's not just about you. It's about us and and figuring how we support each other. Um, and the last piece around this is, is about, you know, and we, and you sort of reference this already when something goes wrong, as it inevitably does, oh, al- there's always errors. There's always failures. There's always mistakes. Accountability 1.0 asks, um, who needs to be held accountable for this, right? Um, so it's sort of backward facing and it's sort of blame oriented, whereas conscious accountability asks different questions who's responsible for making this better? Who's responsible for the solution here? Mm-hmm. And what can we learn by what happened? Mm-hmm. How do we take what happened and let that inform us on how we can get better together over time, right? right? So failures and mistakes are not to be hidden and swept under the carpet, they're to be you know, yeah. talked about, um, even celebrated. Yay, learning, we're learning here. <laughs> Fantastic, right? Um, so it's just a totally different orientation to, to to these things. And therefore it becomes, you know, of you create, if you're utilizing conscious accountability, you end up creating a virtuous cycle of continuous improvement mm. because we're constantly getting better. We're constantly generating learning from everything we do, whether it's successful or not. Mm. We're generating learning that then helps us kind of, Elevate, improve our performance, and also build those relationships stronger over time.
0: There's two things that come out of that that just that just really spoke to me. You know, the first one is accountability. One focuses on who's responsible for the problem. Accountability, conscious accountability, asks the question who's responsible for the solution. And I, I thought that was such a powerful statement that you make in this book because we're always focused on who do we hold, who do we point the finger at for the problem versus right. First, who do we hold point the finger at to go who's responsible for the solution right and then that encompasses a bigger group of people which i found to be so powerful because that's a different way that's a whole different way of thinking and then you brought up and and and, and of course i i'm i'm not a big fan of using our psychological jargon but in this case i'm going to um fundamental attribution error you know starts to play effect because what we do is we have a tendency and you spelled it out. We have a tendency to say, "Well, what's you know that was my behavior? What's wrong with my behavior?" But when somebody else does something wrong, it's a character flaw, and right. so we end up pointing fingers at a character flaw in people. Right? They're not motivated. They're you know they're not they they don't have it. They're incompetent or you know, they're stupid or whatever the name calling they want to use there. Versus us, when it's an issue, well, I just didn't have enough information. You know. That's right. Right. We 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 and so we we end up having biases in in that are associated with accountability 1.0 that conscious accountability tries in my view and maybe i'm wrong but in my view tries to say hold on here we're all responsible we're all on the same page we're all equal we're all level we're all in this together you know so you know as a coach right from my perspective as a coach with people it's not my it's it's not my client's problem a lot of times it's the questions i ask did i ask the right questions did i right. did did i move them in the right direction we don't want to take that level of accountability believe it or not because right, right? and i think that's what makes conscious countab- oh, it's some other things that makes conscious but that spoke to me that you just spelled out in a different way but i just felt like it was really powerful do i got that right
1: <laughs> yeah and quick story around that and you pro- maybe you 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 know i i i shared this story in the book um in, in 2007, Peter Boyd was uh, appointed to be the CEO of Virgin Mobile South mm-hmm. Africa, mm-hmm. and shortly after he was uh, you know, brought in, a number of supervisors came to him complaining about a number of workers, uh, some not insignificant number of workers who were showing up to work late every day, despite warnings, despite sort of bringing this to their attention, this behavior continued and the supervisors were getting fed up and they were getting ready to sort of think about terminating these employees. So Peter asked a question that nobody really really asked, why is this actually happening? What's going on? So he got curious about what was actually happening on the other side. And so he began to directly ask, engage with some of these employees who were coming in late and saying, so tell me me about this late thing. Why, Why is it hard to get here on time? and he got some sort of vague response at first like well our commute is kind of tricky and so in order to understand this he did something that i think few ceos would make the choice to do he said okay i want i'm going to take your commute with you i'm going to go i'm going to let's i'm going to ride home with you and let's let me and help me understand and i'm going to and i'll ride back to work with you the next day so he did this and what he found was the commute that a number of folks were taking involved several different bus rides. Like and I guess in South, you know, at that point in time in South Africa, the public transportation system was not extremely well developed. And so people relied on these buses. But the issue was these buses, you know, and, and people were traveling from two, three hours away to get to work. And they had to take these buses that would connect in these various depots. But bus drivers, it turns out, um, would go to the line. People would line up for whatever destination they were headed. The bus drivers would just go to whatever line looked full, and and pick up people and leave. And so it was very unpredictable as to whether people would get a bus, when it would arrive, you know, when they would get there. And and so what looked like a group of disengaged workers, it was just the opposite. Mm. These folks were. Busting their 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 humps to get to work and doing this, taking on this massive commute every day because they really valued their job and their work there. And it was that was getting lost. And, and what he did by being curious and, and actually really working to understand the experience of people on the other end, changed the thinking. When he brought those stories back and was like, wow, these folks are incredible. These are some of our most dedicated workers actually. It changed the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. So, and again, much of the time we would be just like the supervisors, right? We'd be like, I can get to work, why can't you, right?
0: Right, yeah, it's it's what we do. It it is what we do, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, The book is entitled, Uh, Conscious Accountability, uh, Deepen Connections, Uh Elevate Results. I'm with Dr. David C. Tate, co-author of this book. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Folks, listen, whether you're recovering from an injury, surgery, ha- suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, whether you're a professional athlete or just an everyday person like me, you know what? The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will customize a treatment plan that is just for you. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T tcom and Linda Craft Team Realtors, for more than 38 years, they have been helping people transition in life. And you say, hold it here. I thought they sold real estate. They do. But think about it. Every place you've ever lived has been a transition in life, right? Every place, whether it was an apartment, whether it was your first house or your upsizing downsizing, it doesn't matter. They understand. They've worked with thousands of people. And you know what? They'd love to work with you to help you make your next life transition. You'd like to learn more, like to have a little smoother transition in that step of life. Contact Linda Craft and Team Realtors. Real 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 Real. Real. That's Linda Com, lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot And we're back here That's on A New True. Direction with uh, Dr. David C. Tate. The book, A Conscious Accountability, Deepen oh, Connections, okay. Elevate Results. Uh, absolutely uh, fabulous by ATD Press. Um, all right. So, are we ready? Should we just jump right into this Connect framework or should we give it a little bit of a framework before we get into the framework of what we're talking about Connect here? What would you like to do here, Dr. Tate?
1: Sure. We, you know, basically, when we wrote this book, we, we, what we wanted to do was, again, create a different kind of understanding of what accountability could look like, what it could be about. And then we also want, we we, we wanted to go further than just, Give people a new idea. We wanted to give them actual practices, mm-hmm. leadership practices that they can do every day that help create kind of a culture of conscious accountability around them. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what the the, the that and that, so that's why we created this Connect framework, which which is a you know Connect is an acronym. We chose Connect for two reasons. One, the idea that when we become more conscious, we make connections between things. We connect the dots in our head. And the other thing is that, you know, to be aware that um, better accountability requires paying attention to human connections to those relationships. So that's why we've settled on the, on the acronym Connect. And so, um, yeah, so we can talk about yeah, about those seven yeah. practices if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, let's
0: let's talk about these practices. Let's start with the letter C. So everybody out there who's uh, listening, you know, whether you're podcast or listening live or watching a slide, whatever it may be. Uh, Connect is the acronym. So we're going to start with the letter C. The letter C is creating clarity. What are we yes. talking about there?
1: So we're we're talking about establishing clear goals and shared expectations. So um, it's impossible to be accountable if we don't know what we're being accountable to, right? right? And so so working to get clarity on the front end is essential if we're going to have accountability. And it sounds easy enough. But the problem is that language is symbolic. Mm. And so <laughs> we, we use words thinking that everybody understands exactly what we're saying. But, in, but actually, people are filtering our words through, their own, through their, their own filters. And so there can be, you know, misalignments that happen all the time mm. and departures. Wow. We, so we, no one sets out to be unclear. No one decides, you know, I'm going to be super confusing in how I'm communicating, right? Everybody wants to be clear, but, and yet so many times there are misses. We do this with, with, with regard to, and so it often takes, you know, we say it takes a lot of humility Mm -hmm. and patience to get to clarity Mm -hmm. and you can, and, and it's not just one and done most of the time. It requires back and forth and discussion and, and, you know, here's what I said you know, what did you hear? Tell me what you heard mm. and making sure that we're actually on the same page. I, 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 yeah,
0: I think one of the things I want people to hear because uh, to set it up for them too as well. And that's on me. And that is when, when, when uh, Dr. Tate's talking about all these, there's also a mindset that you have to have with each practice. So with creating clarity, which is the C humility and patience, is a mindset that you have to have when you're trying to deliver community and 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 clarity with your team or your people or any relationship do is that fair yeah
1: yeah you nailed it that's right exactly and and
0: and I and I and I think when it comes to clarity creating clarity you know communication of course is critical in this but there does have to be a sense of humility that says right I don't have, I don't have it right. I'm not, I, I, I have to, I may not be the best communicator in the world. I'm, I have to, I have to say, and, and maybe because just because I think my words are correct doesn't mean the way the receiver receives it is correct.
1: That's right. That's right. And also, you know, it also takes, you know, that humility when we're thinking about creating shared expectations, Mm -hmm. we may have our ideas of what we see and what we think it should look like or it should be, um, but that may or may not align with how other people that we're working with see it. Mm -hmm. And so if we really want to create alignment there and buy in, we have to listen and we have to be open to being challenged, Mm -hmm. um, to open to other perspectives Mm -hmm. um, in, in coming up with, kind of, you know, kind of those goals and, 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 you know, the expectations, we have to be really, you know, be willing to be open to other people. And that takes humility sometimes and saying like, you know, it's not just my way.
0: Right. Well, and then, and then the patience, piece is is important because we are an impatient society and we expect people to get it the first time. Right.
1: That's
0: right. right. Yeah. And that's and, right. and, and. and, and And I think what you say in this piece here, so I recall it right, is that patience requires perseverance.
1: That's right. Gotta stick with it. Gotta stay with it and keep at it until you get to clarity. Right. And it does. It takes it takes it takes a lot more work than people appreciate. Right. You know, it just takes a lot more work. And so so when you when you experience it as frustrating, guess what? That's normal. Mm. That's okay. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to you know. It, just because it's frustrating doesn't mean it's it's not the right way. It's actually you may be doing it right because it does take time. And so give yourself and others grace and mm-hmm. space in that process to get it right. It's so much better when you get to clarity up front. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, guess what? You're renegotiating. You're 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 finding the places where you you weren't clear down the road, and then that has to all be like. Cleaned up or unwound, or you have to go back and recreate clarity. You know, it's and and that and even that's a predictable part of the process too. Right.
0: And then how can we hold people accountable if we haven't been clear? Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. You, I, and I hear this all the time, executives or you know, I I heard this with a group of um, physicians that I worked with who are teaching physicians, and you know they realized. When we're talking about accountability, that they have expectations for how they want, you know, their residents to behave, but they haven't quite spelled them out, and as clearly as, and so it's, and so of course there's a disconnect, and they and they think, oh, you know, that's where I need to dig in more. It's actually doubling down on clarity, even if I think I'm clear, like really making sure that that the message has been received not that not just did i say it but did they receive it got it
0: okay so let's go to letter o open engagement with the mindset of all in
1: yeah so so opening up engagement is key because we want people we want people to be able to like give their best to be their best to bring their best but in order to do that people need to feel committed and they also need to feel psychologically safe and so that's specifically what we mean by opening up engagement is around building commitment and psychological safety. Um, psychological safety, you know, I'm sure your, your folks may be familiar with it, but it's again this idea that people feel comfortable speaking up, saying their truth, um, sharing their perspective, asking that question that they, you know, that some people might, both, might, might think it's a dumb question, but they're going to ask it anyway because they need to get that clarification. Um But in order, you know, we need to 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 actually make people feel safe. And the way leaders can do this is by being more vulnerable themselves, Mm. by by showing that they are capable of making mistakes, that they need help, they need input from others to be successful. Um, You know, and 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 to you know set the stage so people feel like it's it's okay. To, you know, to, to 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 share what's on their minds.
0: Well, psychological safety's been around with us since the 60s. I mean, at least that's that's where the original research came from. And it's I, I feel like it's only been within the last few years that we're really devoting any sort of time in the business world to understanding that we may not be providing the psychological safety that we say we are. I think if you asked any. CEO or executive or owner or founder, whatever manager, they would say, oh, no, 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 where anybody could say what they want to say, but that's not always how it's played out in the reality of a meeting or in the reality of decision-making or in the reality of a project. I, I feel that oftentimes we say the right things, but it's not often practiced. Do I got that right?
1: I think so. Yeah. And, and there are levels, right? Like sometimes people say, Oh yeah, we have a safe team. I can, I can, I can say what I want. Oh, but, but I can't talk about the fact that, you know, um, you know, and then there's, and then there's this whole list of things, right. Other right, things right. that they actually can't, right. They don't feel comfortable right. talking about. Um, right. and so again, right. if you really had psychological safety, you know, it, it seems like there there wouldn't be anything that that would be off the table, right? You know, you could you could speak into anything that needed to be said. You could say it, right? And yet, so many teams that I've worked with, again, they'll say, "We yes, we have psychological safety." Oh, but but yeah, but don't talk about that. We don't talk about Bruno, you know, whatever. Right. That, that you yeah. know, that there's always something that's off the table.
0: Right. And 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 you know, it's not something we assess people to go. You know, how psychological safety feel when you're in the team meeting. Do you feel like you can say what you want to say? Do you feel like there's certain topics that are off the table? We don't really assess that; we just assume it, right? And, and, and right. there's there's a great danger in that because you're not getting all the you're not getting all the diversity of ideas and thoughts right. involved when you know we don't have true psychological safety.
1: That's right. You're leaving money on the table yes. because yes. you're not you're not getting. You're not getting all the juice out of the orange for that team. Right. If you're not getting everyone's best thinking and best perspectives, then you know, then we're 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 falling short on our potential for innovation, for getting better solutions, better you know sol- solving problems uh, more creatively. Uh, so so yeah, totally agree.
0: All right, let's go all to right. the
1: first end and connect. Yeah. Nailing, okay. it. Nailing, Nailing it. Nailing it. And so and very Mark, simply, doing yeah. what you say you'll do. Right. Just getting it done, doing what you say you do, making your words and your actions match, mm. and um, seems again seems pretty straightforward. Um, but what I've what I've observed here is that you know we live increasingly in a world of com- competing commitments, right? And and oftentimes there are these pop up priorities that happen. You know, you had your plan, you had your to do list, things you were going to accomplish today, and then suddenly you get an email. That, oh, this is on fire over here and you need to, you know, you have to go put that out or, you know, somebody, you know, needs this thing from you desperately and can you just, and so then how, how do we make sure that we are still nailing it in terms of what we're, you know, uh, that we're, that we're meeting our commitments in spite of these kind of competing demands and things that just kind of land in our lap. And then, Um, and then the mindset of grit and grace, how does that play a role? So the idea is that on one hand, we need to have both, both grit and like the kind of like, I'm going to muscle this through, I'm going to get this done no matter what kind of determination, but we also have to give ourselves grace and give, give others grace sometimes, um, uh, and be able to, uh, you know like recognize that we're, we're all human, you know, and doing the best that we can. Um, so trying to, you know, balancing those two perspectives of grit and grace as we work to nail it. Um, and um, I guess the other thing that that is really important here, I think, is clarity around our true priorities, mm. really being clear on what matters. So when we get too much traffic in the intersection, we can direct the traffic appropriately mm. in terms of like making sure that Um, you know, we are attending, we are directing our, the precious resources of our time and attention to the things that really most deserve it in the moment. Mm.
0: You you know, when I was thinking, when I was reading through grit and grace, you know, the idea of grit, you know, just, I, I respond to that. I just believe in being gritty and persevere and, you know, have, have that perseverance piece that you're just going to, we're just going to keep fighting through it. The grace period was the thing that I think we often miss. And I kind of synthesize it like this. Tell me if I got this wrong or right. But I saw grace is that failure is an option. And we're going to have grace for failure. Because we want you to fail almost in the sense of because failure teaches us something. And we have to have the grace to allow failure.
1: That's right. Absolutely. You know, um, we we need, we you know, well said that we do need to allow we're failure sometimes. It's not like, again, we don't want to go out and like, you know, let's let's all set out to fail. Right, you know, we right. want to succeed. But, but when we do fail and failure is going to be part of the process at some right. point or other, just, you know, accepting it and saying, you know what? Accepting it with grace and saying, all right, there's something for us to learn here. Let's double down on that. Let's dig into that. Let's mine this for all it's worth. Pull out the learning yeah. so we can use it. That's that's awesome.
0: His name's Doctor David C. Tate. The book, uh, "Conscious Accountability: Deep Connections Elevate Results," absolutely outstanding. It's not a failure at all. It is a tremendous success. Get yourself a copy. You're listening to him here on a new direction. Hey, folks, uh, Epic Physical Therapy. I love them. Right, I've been going them forever. I feel like it forever. Uh, they offer the most top advanced, uh, most advanced top of line equipment like the alter G anti gravity treadmill, the Normatech compression sleeves, game ready. My personal favorite, ice and compression all at the same time. Uh, they're certified most comprehensive cutting stra- edge strategies like blood flow restriction therapy, cupping, dry needling. That's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E P. ICPT.com, Craft team realtors you know what for more than 38 years they've been helping people all over the world they're independently operated and owned they do not belong to a national company so wherever you live if you're looking for that best real estate professional to help you transition in life they can actually help you because they've got this worldwide connection that they know who the best realtor is regardless of who they work for so when you're ready to make your next transition in life Start with the transition expert. Start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's mm-hmm. lindacraft.com. That's l-i-n-d-a-c-r-a-f-t dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dr. David C. Tate. My friend, Dr. David C. Tate. That's, I'm going to call Dr. Tate my friend. So I love that. So, I love so, that. Yeah. Let's do but, it. Let's do that. Uh, my friend, Dr. David Tate. And uh, uh, Conscious Accountability, Deeper Connections, Elevate Results. And we are... Uh, working our way through uh, uh, the Connect framework. And we have just gone through the CON and we're about to hit this fourth N, which is noticing with the mindset of compassionate curiosity. Walk us through noticing.
1: So noticing. So as we are working to nail it, as we are working to kind of get some excellent results and build stronger relationships, um, this is the idea that, we should just be, you know, paying attention to, to a number of things, paying attention to our own experience. What's our experience as we're working with, a, with you know, through a project? You know, how are we, how, what, what are we feeling? What are we thinking? What are we noticing about other people as we're working together? Um, and so trying to observe those things, and here's the key, without judgment. And this is very difficult for humans to do. Because it turns out we're pretty much built to be judging machines. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know from a bioevolutionary standpoint, we need to be able to make distinctions between things that are threats and things that are not threats, things that will ensure our survival or things that threaten our survival. And so we are wired to be it, do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I agree? Do I disagree? Is that good? Is that bad? And so we're often in this binary zone of good or bad, right or wrong. And noticing allows us to just notice the data, whatever the data is. And then what we do when we notice that is we speak into it and share what we notice without judgment. And what turns out what that does, does two things, at least two things. One is it, it can offer support to other people. It can be like, hey, I'm just checking in. How is that going? You know, anything you need support with, anything you need clarification around from me, how can I support you? So, um, it could also be like, hey, I noticed, um, you know, this seemed off. Curious, you know, what you what you're seeing, and it opens up a conversation that can allow for course correction to happen midstream. And it can be done in a way that's, again, that's supportive, that's collaborative, that's not like, hey, why didn't this happen? You know, (laughs) that's got the kind of the kind of the judgment kind of uh, sharp edge to it that again backs people up, starts getting people, um, you know, moving away from one from one another and and getting defensive as opposed to staying collaborative. Well, I think think
0: our ego (laughs) gets gets in the way quite frequently when it comes to noticing without judgment because because, uh, we want to think that we know the answer and so we've already come in with a set of preconceived notions and then what we do is we we phrase our question question. to our teams with the preconceived answer in our head
1: Mm -hmm.
0: versus withholding judgment um something that dr ryan gofferson wrote book that was on the show called uh Success mindset said that you have to walk in with a soft front and a stiff back. You're not compromising your values, but you have to walk in with a soft front that you respect and value anything that comes at you. In that, right. in that, in that instance, um, yeah. I, and I've always found that to be a fascinating concept because we're doing it without judgment, but I'm also doing it not compromising myself, setting my boundaries, but I'm also allowing anything to come you know, when I'm noticing and I'm noticing, noticing. I I I find that. And that opens
1: up and that, and when we do that, we, when we, when we enter with that soft front, again, we underscore psychological safety. We invite Mm -hmm. a conversation, um, where we can learn a lot about what's happening and make whatever corrections we need to make. So that's, so that things stay on track. Which, and which that, that sets us up for, for success.
0: Which is so beautiful because it it's the domino that literally gently falls right into E, which is exchanging feedback.
1: Yes. So if you want to think about exchanging feedback, this is a more deliberate focus on imparting information or getting information. So so when we're t- talking about exchanging feedback, it could be soliciting feedback, giving feedback, or receiving feedback. Mm. And again, it's for the for the sake of um, not putting people down, not being right, um, you know, not you know. It, it's for the sake of promoting greater awareness and greater learning. So the, the thing that I can never know about myself is the impact that I'm having on you in this moment or others. I can't know that without without some kind of input or feedback from you. You're
0: doing awesome. What's that? You're doing oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Appreciate the feedback. Um, so, you know, so so this is it's essential. It's vital, and I can't tell you. I mean, one story that I'll, that comes to my mind about this is an executive that I coached, and maybe you've coached other 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 folks. And part of typical coaching processes or some kind of 360 feedback happens in the mix at some point. And this one gentleman I I, I worked with got his results. And he was like tearful, saying, like, I wish someone had told me. I wish someone had told me instead of when I'm in my 50s, when I was in my twenties, about about I, I needed to hear this. And and I I never got the feedback. And so those promotions that I got passed over, those opportunities that didn't work out, if I had known this, I could have done something different. So Really, like it's really powerful and a really important process, and it's something that I find a lot of leaders and a lot of teams stumble on. They have a hard time with this.
0: Yeah, I agree. They're afraid. Agree.
1: They're, they're afraid that that giving feedback is going to do the opposite. It's going to, um, you know, um, mess up their relationships, right. and and you know, and it's going to compromise harmony. Right. Um, right. Uh, but in fact. Um, uh, you know it's it's it, this um, someone I, I was just listening to Adam Grant give a talk and he said honesty is the highest form of loyalty. where uh, honesty is like a really important component that's necessary for loyalty. Mm. So um you know so so the idea that people need and and and, and, I, and this is especially true of leaders, the, the higher you go up the ladder, the less and less you're likely to get good feedback because people are afraid to give you feedback. Yeah. So, um, and so therefore it can it can inhibit people's growth at that point, because they're not getting that sort of more agile real-time feedback that they can use and implement, um, you know, and, and course correct for themselves. So, um, so we've got to figure out, you know, what this practice is all about is how do we kind of create systems for ourselves and in our teams that allows for that feedback to flow and if we go back to opening up engagement and creating psychological safety if we've done that well it's going to be much easier to have those feedback conversations
0: all right we've got two letters left to go so
1: let's do it Cla- C- um, claim it claim it with objectives
0: with a mindset of objectivity and acceptance
1: yes so claim it is basically owning our results um, we have to be objective about understanding what our results actually are so we have to under we have to measure and understand like what our results are and then we need to accept the data is the data. And then, you know, and it is what it is. And let's take responsibility for that. Share this, share the share the glory if it's if it's good news. And if it's if it's bad news, okay. Like take responsibility with an eye towards how are we gonna improve, how are we gonna get better. And that gets us to the last practice of trying again, which is taking everything we've learned from noticing, from feedback, from claiming it, everything we've learned through the process. And the next time, whether it's the next meeting, the next quarter, the next project, applying those learnings deliberately and with intention so we get better and better together over time.
0: And that is connect. Now, all of this sounds well, great, just, but I can hear people, well, I can't literally hear them, but there's voices in my head talking to me <laughs> that, are, <laughs> that are saying, saying, whoa, this all sounds great, Dr. Tate and that, that was not meant to be a rhyme, but it wound up that way. Uh, but so what are some, inhi- are there's going to be some inhi- inhibitors to this that are going to be some challenges that I'm going to have trying to implement this? What might some of those challenges be?
1: Wow. So sure. I mean, they're, they're definitely uh, challenges. I think sometimes we have expectations, our, our, our expectations in terms of the the speed at which we want results to happen, um, the pace of change that we expect, change is really hard. Change is not does, is does not come cheap, and so you know it it. So you got to have you know when we're talking about bringing these practices to life, I think we have to have a long view. That we're playing the long game here. We're not playing the short game. Short game is back in transaction land. Right. When we get into sort of that, you know, um, into into the sort of trying to get like quick wins and trying to trying to have expectations that everything's going to change overnight, we we get into a more transactional mindset, which undermines this whole thing. We have to be playing the long game here.
0: Mm, yeah, and and do you have any tips of how we should maybe start trying to apply these practices that you recommend?
1: Yes, my my first start with you. You know, accountability starts at home. and and I think the first thing that you want one sort of easy way to begin this is by pausing and taking time to reflect, mm. taking time to reflect on what are your intentions, What do you want to have happen? Mm. Reflect on how how well have I actually communicated that? Mm. Um, first of all, have I been super clear myself on what it is that I want and I need? And then, have I created the conditions that allow people to engage with me in a really honest and safe way? Mm. So, but but it starts by just taking those moments to kind of ask yourself some of those um, some of those questions and to kind of notice what's present for you. I think what I've noticed is that a lot of executives, a lot of folks nowadays, we are doing machines. We are tearing through our to do list and. And and that's great, but it doesn't afford us much time to step back and think, and um, and reflect. And there's so much learning available in 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 that space if we can just create it. So take a walk. Allow yourself time to think. Journal. You know, spend some time. Uh, you know, journaling. Take a pause at the end of your day. Reflect on how the day went. What went well? What do you want to try to do differently tomorrow? Small things. But begin to carve out space, take back space in your life for just this becoming more aware and becoming more conscious. That's beautiful. beautiful.
0: You've been great. We've done our hour. Uh, it went really fast.
1: Wow. <laughs> that went super fast. <laughs>
0: uh, tell people how they could <laughs> get a hold of you.
1: Okay. Well, you can, can get a hold of me at uh, on, our, on my website um, with my team. It's ConsciousGrowthPartners.com.
0: Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. You've been great. Stay with me, please. Folks, it's the show. You know what I say to you every week? You are in control of three things, no matter your circumstances, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. The fact of the matter is I understand that your eff- your, your life can be out of control or it can at least feel out of control, but you can control that attitude when you first wake up in the morning and it starts with gratitude. You can control your effort. That's how excellent you want to be any given day. And you know what? Only you can get back up again when you've been knocked down. Get back up. Change your attitude and give your best effort. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you all over the world, thank you so much. You give us a positive sure, review. And ciao. You can find a strength to go a different way. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before. Find your passion, find your strength. Don't worry.